Yeah, we're not going to look back. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to keep going with me. That's good. But we're not looking back anymore. We're looking forward. And so uh, today uh, we're kicking off a new series called uh, Resolution or Resolution. It's, you know, pretty clever. Resolution, Resolution. You see what we did there. But uh, I want to read a scripture to you. Uh, I'm going to try to put two scriptures together. And uh, hopefully I'm successful doing that this morning. Uh, one of them is from Acts chapter 3. Or Acts chapter 4, verse 13, and then I'm going to read one from Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, okay? So I'm going to do my best uh, to put these two together. By the way, I just want to give a shout out, a birthday shout out to Brandon Hernandez in the teen ministry. He turns 15 today. He's a good man. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. You with me? I think we're going to be good. Acts chapter 4, verse 13, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, and they realized that they were unschooled, everybody say unschooled, unschooled. ordinary men, everybody say ordinary. ordinary, it says that they were astonished, they were astonished, tell somebody you're astonishing, go ahead and do it, tell them you're astonishing because you're so ordinary, go ahead and tell them. Your, your commonness is astonishing. Shh. I'm astonished by how ordinary you are. They were astonished and they took note. By the way, don't, I hope you didn't say that to your wife, okay, if you're married. But they were astonished and they took note. I love this. If, if, any, if somebody could say this about me, this is my goal. They were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. He'd been with Jesus. What a compliment. You're ordinary, but you possess an extraordinary power because of your association to Jesus Christ. You may feel ordinary, but because of Jesus, every one of y'all are extraordinary. Greatness by association. But since they could see the man, since they, but since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. I'm going to give you a little bit of context here in a moment. But we're going to look at Philippians chapter 3 verse 12. Philippians chapter 3 verse 12. The Apostle Paul is speaking to us from prison. And he says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal. Everybody say goal. But I press on. I keep on going. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took a hold of me. I want to preach to you for a few moments this morning on the subject of reaching the goal. Reaching the goal. Father, we come to you in prayer tonight, or not tonight, this morning, and uh, just grateful. Uh, grateful to start off this year together as a family. Grateful that you're doing a new thing, that we don't have to stay stuck in the past. God, I believe as a church, we're not where we need to be, but at least we're not where we used to be. And 
I pray that we can look forward to the new things you're going to do here this year. That we would look forward, that we would be anticipating what you have in store for us in 2016. God, we're grateful for 2015, but we're expectant, God. We pray that you would bring fulfillment to your promises this year. God, we need you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want you to tell seven people around you, we're going to reach the goal. Go ahead and tell them. Tell seven people, we're going to reach the goal. Thank you. I, I feel like the devil didn't want me to preach today because he tried to take my voice away, but it ain't going to happen. We're going to do it. I want to give you some context really quick on the verse that we just read in Acts chapter 4. Basically, there was some controversy that had broken out in Jerusalem because Peter and John had just healed a man that was paralyzed since the day he was born. Now you would think that that would be a good thing, right? You think that people would celebrate the fact that this man who had been paralyzed since he was born could now walk. You think that would be a good thing. Yet the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they were upset. Not because, you know, not because the man was healed, but because of how he was healed. And, and, and it, it didn't fit their belief system because the man was healed in the name of Jesus Christ. And so that represented a problem for them. They didn't like that. And so we get this picture of Peter and John that says that the people were astonished at them. Everybody say astonished. They were astonished at them, and the Pharisees didn't know what to do, and so what they did was that they put both Peter and John, they put them into prison. You know, you know I've heard a lot in church about the consequences of disobedience to God, but I've not heard quite as much about the consequences of obedience to God. Because sometimes obeying God will get you into trouble too. Be careful who you hang out with. Because Peter was the one that got thrown in, but guess who was his one? John. John got thrown into prison too. So just real quick, that's a free note for you. Be careful who you hang out with. So they were thrown into prison overnight, and it says that when they got out, Peter actually offended the Pharisees even more with his preaching because he pointed out to them that they were the ones who crucified Christ. He said, hey, the one who you killed, he's the one that performed this miracle. And you killed him. And they didn't like that very much. And so they threw them into prison while they tried to figure out what to do with them. The crowds were divided. They didn't know what to believe. And so they're observing it from all angles. So that's what happened in Acts chapter 4, just to give you some context to that scripture. That was the first verse that I read you. The second scripture I read you was from Paul, and he was also writing from prison. 
And Paul's a little different than Peter. If you've read any of the New Testament, you would know that, that Paul's a little different than Peter in that people were astonished by Peter's ignorance yet confidence. And that's not to say Peter wasn't a smart guy, we're not putting Peter down, but he just didn't have the kind of intelligence that was recognized by the religious leaders of that day. And so anytime that somebody does something significant that people think that they shouldn't be able to do, it creates interest. How'd they do that? How'd they do that? Sometimes you look at celebrities and you're like, why are they famous? I'm not gonna throw any names out, but. Have you seen this hashtag before? Have you seen it? Raise your hand if you've seen this hashtag before. Let me see. What do you, you know, some of you are like, what is a hashtag, right? <laughs> hashtag, hashtag goals. Yeah, it's been popular for a while. You know, the funny thing though is about things that are popular, you know, they're only popular for like a moment and then they're kind of like out of style, right? But, you know, people still use this, hashtag goals. And uh, you probably know this already, but I work with the high school ministry and we do a lot of great stuff together. We have a lot of fun in the teens. And uh, one of the things I do is I teach them every week. Every Tuesday night, I teach them. And, but the truth is that they're teaching me stuff all the time, too. They're teaching me. For example, they're the ones that, that really teach me how to sound cool. I'm like, hey, I need a new vocabulary, you know? Because my daughter isn't a teenager yet, thank the Lord. And so I'm always trying to listen to what they say so that I can know what kids these days say. And I never thought I would use that phrase, kids these days. And I'm still young. I'm 27. But I need to stay informed on what kids these days say. Because I know I can't really be cool anymore. I gave that up when I became a dad. Okay? I, I probably offended every dad here. But... How can I, at the very least, at least sound cool, you know? I may not be cool, but I wanna, I wanna try sound cool. You know what I mean? You with me? Maybe. And so the high school students, they've taught me words to say. They've taught me how to say bae, bae. Maybe you've heard people use the word bae. Some of you still use the word boo, but that was like five years ago, okay? So you, you gotta move on. And bae, bae might be kind of going out of style. Some people still use that, right, Bay? Yeah? Okay. Bay is like your girl, that's your boy. You know what I'm saying? That's my Bay. They've, they've taught me the meaning of the term on fleek. How many people have heard the term on fleek? Okay, some of us. On fleek. That's like, hey, your shoes are on fleek, right? That's like, Hey, your shoes are on point, okay? On point, on fleek. So they've taught me that. They have other words. They use the word savage, right? Savage is like when you say something that's kind of harsh to somebody else, they're like, ooh, savage, right? Oh, savage. Or shade. Some of you, 
Like when you throw shade, you're like, you kind of, like for some of us who are a little more mature, like people used to use the word diss, like you got dissed, right? That's like throwing shade in some ways. Okay, I'm done giving you terms. <laughs> I'm done giving you terms. But, but then one of the words they taught me was goals. Goals. I said, goals? You think that's a new word? They said, no, but people use this for everything now. Hashtag goals. And so I started, you know, looking around. I mean, you could put this almost on anything, goals. You can see it almost anywhere, goals. And so I started looking around, and they were right. It's used everywhere, and it's used in all kinds of different ways. But the main way it's used is to kind of say, like, yeah, right. Like, this will never happen for me, but this is awesome. Goals. I could tell some of you are still a little lost. <laughs> so I found this magazine article. I thought I'd be cool enough just to explain it to you. But I found an article from the magazine Elle. And this girl, this author, she's explaining the term hashtag goals. And kind of the problem with this, with this term. She says this. The trending term goals which also pairs neatly with prefixes such as life, body, hair, squat, like life goals, body goals, hair goals, squad goals. Squad's like your group of friends, if you didn't know that. Squad goals, relationship goals, you get my point. It's tongue-in-cheek, lazy, and purposely, purposefully self-deprecating. Well, why is that? Well, a goal in this context is something outlandish, a perceived quality of life that we think is unattainable. And by deeming something out of reach, we're commenting on it as much as we are our own limitations. Everybody say goals. Come on, say it, goals. And the idea is that you might see a picture that is so ideal that's just so ridiculous, and so you put hashtag goals. And it's like saying, wouldn't it be nice? Hashtag goals. You see a woman that's eight months pregnant, but she still has washboard abs. Goals, you know? <laughs> I, 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 you know, in that same magazine article that I read, they had an Instagram post of Reese Witherspoon. I'll show you. Uh, right here, this is Reese Witherspoon putting on a tie. I'm just assuming that's her husband. And uh, right here, if you, if you look on the right, I don't know if you can read it, but this girl, she says, life goals never to be achieved. Like, like in our culture today, that, that's out of reach. It means like, that is totally out of my reach. And honestly, I think it's just the way to make ourselves feel better about things we believe we'll never be or do. It's sad. It's sad. Let me ask you, are you a goal setter? How many of you are goal setters? Let me, let me see a raise of hand. Goal setters. I didn't say goalkeepers, okay? I didn't say goalkeepers. 
How many of you at least believe in the value of goals? Okay. Okay, there are more hands. Why not? Everybody say goals. You see, the thing about American culture is that sometimes not only are we better at setting goals than keeping them, but we're better at getting two goals than picking the right ones in the first place. Come on, somebody. Help me preach today. I wonder, not only are you getting your goals, but how good are your goals? So one level of question is, what is the goal? But the second question would be, is it a good one? Is it a good one? I know you set resolutions, some of you. Some of you just gave up on resolutions. But I know you set goals, but are they good ones? I think a lot of people answer the first question in life. What is the goal? But I wonder if we ever stop to answer the question, is it a good one? Is it a good one? How good are your goals? Are they even good to begin with? Are the people that we're envious of really happy to begin with? Are the things that we're reaching for even worth having? Because in a goal-obsessed society, you got to stop and ask the question, where is this goal getting me? Not just what is the goal, but where is this goal getting me? I think the more you live, the longer that you live, the, the more you live, you want to ask not just how I get to my goal, but do I have the right goals? Like whenever I talk to a parent whose kids have left the home, we call those people empty nesters, right? Because their kids have left the nest. Uh, they usually tell me and Ayumi the same thing. They say, treasure every moment. Yeah, treasure, treasure every moment. Treasure every moment. It flies by. I heard that about a million times already. And I'm like, well, that's easy for you to say because your kids don't live with you anymore, right? But mine is still making a mess in my house. But I think, I think what these parents realize is that sometimes we have goals, but the goals we have aren't good goals. What do I mean by that? Like some of you, like some of us, we want to put our kids in a million different things because we want to give them the life that we never had. So we, give, we got them in 10 different extracurricular activities. We got them in four sports, band. They're playing the tuba. They're, in, they're doing Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts. They're doing all these things. And yet we're teaching them that all these things are more important than God. Or we're neglecting the things that are most important. You feel me? You got a goal for your kid, but is it the right goal? Are you teaching your kid to be busy and stressed out all the time? By packing their schedule. I want to build this out just a little bit more. I had a friend when I was in high school who his goal was to have sex with as many girls as he could in high school. That was his goal. It sounds like a good goal when you're in high school. I mean, people tell you you're the man when you're in high school for having that goal. And I actually ran into him a few years ago, and it was really sad. I felt really sad because he seems just so empty. 
one of my best friends. He thought he was filling up, but he was really giving away pieces of himself that he could never get back. He reached the goal, but reaching a goal is only as significant as the quality of the goal. Oh, you didn't like like that one? Let me say it better. You You can hit the nail on the head in life, but if the board is rotten, the nail won't hold. Okay, you didn't like that one either. Let me try one more. You, you, you can make excellent time headed in the wrong direction. Ask somebody next to you, do you have good goals? Ask them. I'm not hearing you ask them. Ask them, do you have good goals? It's an interesting question, isn't it? Are our goals even good? Did you know God is a God of goals? Did you know that? Did you know Jesus had goals? Like in Matthew 28, when he was leaving this earth, he says, go and and baptize, or he says, uh, go make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and continuing to teach them everything I command you. Surely I will be with you to the very end of the age. God has goals that you would be filled with his Holy Spirit, that you would live a life that is empowered by him, breaking chains, doing things that nobody thought that you could ever do. God has goals for you. Did you know that? And if you have the heart of God, you also share the goals of God. If, if the church has the heart of God, the church also shares the goals of God. You know, it's a bad goal for the church just to focus on getting everybody inside perfect. But shut the doors to people who need help. Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor. It's the sick. Come on, somebody. It's a bad goal if you're a doctor and you keep all the sick people out. And if the church isn't growing, then we're not reaching our goal. If we're not helping more and more people, we're not reaching our goal. No matter what we do, if people aren't getting baptized, they're not getting raised to life in Christ, they're not being filled with the Holy Spirit, if they're not being welcomed in, then we're not reaching our goal. Come on, we need to share the goals of God. And so when Jesus left the earth, he sent his disciples to reach the goals, to get the gospel to the ends of the earth. That's a big goal. Everybody say goals. I appreciate your participation. And so they get started. And Peter and John perform this miracle, and they raise this man to his feet, and he walks for the very first time in his life And all the people watching respond in different ways. And it's kind of questionable. Are we getting any closer to our goal? You see, I imagine that when Peter got put into prison, that looked like a step away from the goal. I mean, if we're supposed to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, and yet we can't even get out of Jerusalem because we're in prison... Follow me? 
So we're moving away from our goal, yet Peter continues to preach boldly in Jesus' name. And I want to think about three things. I'm going to give you three things briefly. We're going to go a little longer today. I'm just saying. I just thought I would warn you, okay? I didn't get up here until like almost 1035, okay? So is this good so far? Are you good? So I want to give you three things today about what's stopping us from reaching the goal, the goals that God has for us. And if you made your three, they might be different than mine, but, you know, I'm up here today, so there may be ones I'm leaving out, but these are just three things that keep us from reaching our goal. The number one thing, I think, is limitation. Limitation. Everybody say limitation. And limitation can be defined as a shortage of whatever it is that you need that you don't have. It's interesting to think how limited the early church was. You feel me? Like they had no Facebook, no Instagram, no airplanes, no cars, no phones. They didn't even have beepers. No, yet, yet it's shocking how much they accomplished, isn't it? That's why people were astonished by Peter and John. They were astonished because how could you do so much with so little? How could you not know all that we know and yet do something we can't do? I wonder if Peter and John would look at the church today and be astonished at, about how little we do with so much. I want to say that again. I wonder if Peter and John would look at our church today and be astonished at how little we do with so much. What's limiting to you today? What's limiting you? Limitations stop you from reaching your goal. Intimidation. Intimidation stops you from reaching your goal. In other words, getting into situations that you don't feel prepared for. Intimidating situations. Stuff bigger than you. Stuff that you weren't prepared for before you were sent out into the world. Intimidation. Being around people who are smarter than you, always feeling like they know something that you don't. Intimidation stops you from reaching your goal. And expectation. Expectation keeps us from reaching our goal. When the way it turns out is different than what we thought. Happens a lot in, in, in church and ministry. I'm believing for God to do greater, and then what I see before me doesn't match what I believed. What I see before me is not matching how big my God is. It happens. These are the things that keep us from reaching our goal, right? Are they not? Is it not the limitation? Is it the intimidation? Or is it the expectation? Or is it the lie? Is it the lie that you're believing? It's not the limitation that's stopping me from reaching the goal, but it is the lie about the limitation that I believed that's stopping me from reaching the goal. 
Maybe it's not what I don't have that's stopping me because the limitation lies that you think what you start with is what you're stuck with. It's when you think that if you started with one, then you can never have two. But I found out about compound interest. I found out that if the man in the parable of the talents, some of you have read that before, right, who had one, if he had turned that one into two, two would have turned into four, four would have turned into eight, eight would have turned into 16, 16 would have turned into 32, 32 would have turned into 64, 64 would have turned into 128. I'm, I'm running out of mathematical, I'm limited, okay? But <laughs> if you keep doing that, before long, it would be huge. It would be exponential. Now do that with whatever limitation is locking you down in your life. Oh, I got one talent. Double it. Work with what you got. It's interesting to me that Peter and John were ordinary, yet that's the very thing that was astonishing. Wasn't it? Their limitation wasn't the lid to what God could do through him. Their limitation was the leverage through which God showed his power. When your mindset changes, your limitation no longer becomes your lid. It becomes your leverage. In Philippians 3, Paul said, I want to reach my goal. And yet, Paul's in prison. Peter's in prison. They're both in prison, which means that God can do big things when you're in tight spaces, right? So if you're in a limited place today, if it's tight in your money, if it's tight in your marriage, if it's tight on, in your job, if it's tight in your classroom, abilities, then that's a great place to break out. So you can prove that whatever prison you're locked in can't hold you, at least not if God is with you. Ask the butterfly if a tight place is a good spot for a miracle. A metamorphosis. Ask a butterfly if a tight space isn't the right place to develop strength in your wings to push against what people thought was possible so you could fly. You see, what we need to realize is that maybe the limitation in your life is not the lid, it's the launching pad. What's stopping you from reaching your goal? So Paul says, I gotta reach, I gotta strain, I gotta press on. Because I got a goal. Tell somebody I got a goal. Say it. Tell somebody I got a goal. Even if you don't, I got a goal. I got goals. I got goals. I'm going places. I'm doing things. I'm not going to be limited. I'm not going to be held back. I'm going to go somewhere. I'm doing something. God has called me to do something. I got stuff to do. But Paul was different than Peter in that Paul had all these goals that he already achieved. Watch, look at this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 4. Look what he says. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence. So Peter was known for his courage. Paul had all these other reasons to be confident, right? He's, I got all kinds of reasons to be confident, y'all, right? If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, oh, you think you've reached your goals? I have more. 
Wow, Paul. Look at verse 5. Here's some of the reasons. Circumcised on the eighth day. Goals. Because you got to understand the background of that one. <laughs> of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. I was on the leadership team. Goals. As for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. Goals. But it's a funny thing about my goals, Paul said. It's a funny thing about my goals. Because whatever were gains to me, whatever I thought was things I achieved that gave me confidence, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. He said, I got the goals, but then I realized that the goals I was holding on to were the very things that were keeping me from what God was trying to give me. Whatever were gains to me, whatever were goals to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Paul said, I spent so much of my life reaching for the wrong things. I wonder how many of you right now are reaching for the wrong things. I feel it in me. I wonder how much of your life you've spent reaching for the wrong things. And Paul said in verse 8 that what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I got a better goal. I got a better goal. Maybe your life will change not when you reach the goal that you set, but when you reset your goals to become goals that are worth getting to. And Paul says, I found out that knowing Christ Jesus my Lord is the goal. That is my goal. Let me ask, what is your goal this year? Seriously, what is your goal? I know you want a six pack, but what is your real goal, okay? Because getting a six pack ain't gonna get you closer to Jesus, okay? I'm not saying that. What's your goal? Six packs ain't bad. I'm not hating. He says, I, I found out that knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, is the goal. Come on, teens. They ain't with me. Verse, verse 8. For whose sake I've lost all things, I consider them garbage. Everything I accomplished before, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. I'm not going to tell you to tell your neighbor that their goals are garbage. That would, that would be mean, okay? But Paul is saying, I had goals, but I gave up on those goals because I have a new goal. I'm to be found in him. That is my goal. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. On the basis of faith. That's the goal. Everybody say, that's the goal. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Sometimes we set goals and the result that we want is that we would get to a place in our life where we don't need God anymore. You think, oh, I would never do that. But why do we get so worried about our bank account? We, we want to get so self-supportive that we don't need God anymore. And God says, 
I think that's the wrong goal. God wants to get you to a place where if you don't have them, then you will surely fall. You need new goals. And Paul says, here's my goal. Verse 10. I want to know Christ. Goals. I want to know Christ. I'm about to explode out of excitement right now. I want to know Christ. Everybody say, I want to know Christ. I did all that other stuff. I saw all that other stuff. I had success like you can't even imagine. I reached the goal, but I found out that when I got the goal, that I didn't want that goal. So I let go of that goal, and I've got a new goal. You want to know what my new goal is? I want to know Christ, the goals. I want to know Christ. I want to know, he goes on to say, the power of his resurrection, goals. Woo. And I want to suffer because he suffered for me, goals. You mean you want to be thrown into prison, Paul? Yeah, if that's what it takes. If that's what it takes. Because my goal is not about a place that I want to get to or a body figure that I want to attain. My goal is a person I want to become like. I want to be like Jesus. That's my goal. That's my goal for 2016. What about you? I want to be like Jesus. Is that your goal? Sometimes you can be getting to your goal and not realize it because you're reaching for the wrong things. I want to show you a scene here before I close out my lesson. A scene from a movie. It's, it's, it's been out for a few years. It's a baseball movie called Moneyball. Have you seen it? Anybody seen that movie? Moneyball with Brad Pitt? It's based on a true story about uh, Billy Bean. Billy Bean a baseball manager that used to manage the Oakland A's, Billy Bean was credited with having changed the game of baseball in some ways. Because he took it from being a game mostly on instincts to being a game based off of statistical analysis. He was very successful in doing this. In fact, he took the Oakland A's to a division championship with 20 straight wins, and yet they didn't win the World Series. They lost, and he didn't reach his goal, and he's just kind of done with himself. He's a lot at a loss for words because he didn't reach his goals, and I want to show you a clip from the movie because I think we've all sat on that side of the table before, haven't we? We didn't quite reach our goal. We were reaching for something that was just beyond our grasp. Go, go ahead and watch the screens. What a dump. I really wanted to win here. I really did. I think you won pretty big, Billy. Pete, we lost. We lost. It's only been a few days. You gotta give yourself some time to get over it. And I don't, I don't get over these things, ever. Come with me to the video room. I want to show you something. No, man, I'm not for film right now. 
Come on. Seriously. Come on, Billy. Come on. The Visalia Oaks and our 240-pound catcher, Jeremy Brown, who, as you know, scared to run the second base. This was in the game six weeks ago. This guy's going to start him off with a fastball. Jeremy's going to take him to deep center. Here's what's really interesting, because Jeremy's going to do what he never does. He's going to go for it. He's going to round first, and he's going to go for it. Okay? This is all of Jeremy's nightmares coming to life. Oh, they're laughing at him. And Jeremy's about to find out why. Jeremy's about to realize that the ball went 60 feet over the fence. He hit a home run and didn't even realize it. because he tripped over first base. I want to be like that first baseman today who leaned down to the guy on the ground and to let you know that you might have cleared the fence by 60 feet and you didn't even know it. This last summer we did an internship for all of our, some of our teens uh, in our ministry and uh, he didn't know I was going to share this about him but Brian Rosa, he, he led a short Bible discussion at Cal Poly. A 16-year-old guy preaching God's word on a college campus. And he, come, he came up after me and I could just see it on his face. He felt like he didn't do a good job. What he didn't know is that I just had this incredible conversation with one of the students in that group who from his lesson felt like he needed a relationship with God. Brian hit a home run, and he didn't even know it. He hit a home run, and he didn't even know it. Now, I want to tell some moms today, you might be doing a much better job raising your kids than you think, but they're just not telling you right now because they're kids, okay? You might have cleared the back wall by 60 feet, but all you can see is how you fell at first base. And the only way you're not going to score is if you don't get up and keep going. The only way you're not going to score this year, the only way you're not going to reach your goal to be more like Jesus is if you don't get up and keep going. All you really got to do, big boy, is go to second base and then third base and then home plate. And what's interesting about Paul is, is Peter is that, about the both of them, is that Peter, as good as a good Jew, would have wanted to become more like Paul. Goals. 
But Paul said, I was trying to become more like Peter. Because Paul said, I had all this stuff. I reached all these goals, but I needed to let it go so that I could be more like Jesus. Peter didn't have what they thought he needed to represent God. And yet they took note that Peter and John had been with Jesus. That's the goal. Paul said, when everybody else thought I was winning, I was losing. You might look like you're winning in life, but you could be losing spiritually. I was losing, and when everybody else saw that I was losing, I was, and when they saw that I was losing, I was actually gaining. Verse 12, not that I've already obtained all this or I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took a hold of me. That's my goal. Watch this, verse 13. I'm closing out here. I promise. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. I'm not there yet. But you better believe I'm going to do everything in my power to move in that direction. I do not consider myself yet there yet to have taken a hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Toward what? Toward what? The goal, right? Toward what? Toward what? Toward what? I'm going to do it till you all say it. Toward what? That's right. Toward the goal. Impressing people wasn't Paul's goal. Pressing toward God was his goal. In a world that is all about making impressions, God is all about impact. That's his goal. I told you the title of this message was Reaching the Goal. That's what I told you. But I want to ask the question, what if reaching the goal is not the goal? What? What if reaching is the goal? What if reaching is the goal? What if reaching the goal is not the goal? What if reaching is the goal? What if the thing God wanted from me all along is not that I would arrive somewhere, that I would think that I'm here, that I got it all figured out, but that I would keep striving toward him, keep pressing toward him, keep reaching. What if he really, what he wants from me is to keep reaching goals. What he wants from you is to keep reaching for him, to never settle to never feel like you've arrived, to never become comfortable with where you're at in your relationship with Jesus, but that you would keep pressing forward toward him. Some of you have stopped reaching. Let's just be honest. You've stopped reaching. You've stopped. You're just living an average Christian life. Mediocre. Maybe lukewarm. But what if reaching, what if pressing, what if crying out to God with all your heart this year, what if trying again, what if that's the goal? I forget what is behind and I press on toward the what? The goal. To be more like Jesus.
never stop reaching for Jesus. Father, we come to you in prayer. We thank you for this morning. Thank you for giving me the voice to preach this message, God. And uh, God, we just, we need you, God. We, these are just empty words, God. I mean, these words mean nothing if your presence isn't with us. God, we ask that you would, would change our heart, that you would give us a new heart today. That we would forget what is behind. God, that we would strive ahead and achieve the goal of being more like Jesus. I feel like some of us, God, we've given up on that goal. And we're so consumed with all these superficial, shallow goals in our life. And, you know, it's not, I know it's not bad to have goals to get in shape and do all these other things. God, those aren't bad goals. But is that the, is that the good goal that you really want us to have? We might be getting our goals, but do we have the right goal? Paul says, I've attained all these things, but I had the wrong goal. My goal now is to be like Jesus. God, we haven't reached that point yet. Nobody in this church can say we have arrived, but we're going to keep reaching for you, God. We're going to keep reaching. We're going to keep getting back up. We're going to keep pressing forward towards the goal. We need you. We love you. It's in your son Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. If I can have everybody stand up, uh, we're going to.